0: I had
1: to go
0: about it, write it out and find it myself And there's some stories I can tell you <laughs> It is the final word of daily, to daily for C bus super I'm Adam Collins off Great Brux Underation sat next to me on our Airbnb sofa, can sofa can in Wellington it's, uh, Primarily, a Wellington preview eh, test match starts Thursday between New Zealand and Australia, the first of their two test series. It's been a wet day, so training's Ooh. mostly been indoors. However, in saying that, the sun is uh, yes. now coming through the window, broken <laughs> through to where yeah, we're yes. recording uh, in our... Well, I think this was a commune at one stage or another here on um, Cuba Mall, kind of getting into the, the Cuban spirit, something
1: like that? A walking man's hostel is okay. what it says <laughs> in the, on the board outside. And, and hey, speaking of uh, us being on Cuba Street, Uh, We were welcomed yesterday by uh, a Cuban dance show. It was an impromptu uh, group uh, who kept uh, uh, breaking into dance, swapping partners. Uh, I'm allowed to say that on the show, (laughs) ain't I? But they they seemed to know what they were doing. It was a great uh, welcome to uh, our Airbnb. And I don't know whether I told you this. I just uh, tweeted about it. Um, And then... Airbnb, maybe we should get a refund for this place, or not a refund, a discount, but Airbnb have given the, uh, a replied to my tweet with five stars, so that should be, really? yeah, there you go. So if they want to
0: come on as a partner, you know, we're always open-minded there you go, on, on Airbnb, the final word. Cover. We were going to be recording this uh, outdoors today with me and my cricket oh. whites, playing for the... Uh playing for the MCC 29 club. I've been capped by them despite the fact that um, we uh, didn't bowl a ball because the (laughs) the pitch was sobbed through after the storm last night. That shouldn't be a factor in the test match Mm -hmm. when it begins tomorrow. Um, Let's go first to selection uh, and well, same old Australia, uh, boring, boring Australia. It's always the same 11. Uh, well, yeah, maybe not strictly speaking after the reconfigured batting lineup. We'll talk yep. about them in a moment. The news, though, is mm. New Zealand. Devon Conway uh, won't make it. Uh, that bruised thumb, sounds like it might be worse than a bruised thumb, mm. uh, is going to keep him out of the first Test match. And he's a match winner in three formats. That feels huge.
1: He's one of three uh, key players uh, without the baggage of having played Test cricket uh, against Australia and lost in this format against Australia, and alongside Daryl Mitchell and Rachin Ravindra, who'll be such a, uh, a an important or they'll play such an important role in the middle order. But Devon Conway just adds that. Uh, the heft they need at the top of the order, doesn't Mm. it? I mean, Will Young comes in, Tim Southey has confirmed it. Uh, You are a big Will Young fan, I know. Um, It's always good on the eye, but this is his opportunity to really put his hand up and make it his own. He's always been an injury replacement, hasn't he? I don't Mm. think he's played too many test matches as the the primary pick in that sense. So uh, that is confirmed. What... Uh, he did not confirm Tim Saudi is what bowling um, combination they'll go in with. So the question is, do they go with Santner or Scott Kugelheim? So because it was wet, uh, they were practicing uh, indoors in, at St. Mark's School next door to the Basin Reserve. And I did see Mitchell Santner just uh, tossing balls uh, to some of the other batters, uh, not really bowling uh, he did have a long bat yesterday though Santa but it was you he could, he could kind of make out Scott Kugeline was in the net uh, he had a net yesterday as well bowled and batted but today uh, he was getting a lot of throwdowns. coaches coach is speaking to him it almost well, I'm almost convinced that uh, it will be him the extra seamer whole play
0: yeah the body language yesterday watching Kugeline mm. bowl it just felt like um, he and O'Rourke were bowling together O'Rourke since we recorded actually so we did our um, uh, oh, yeah. weekly episode yesterday then we watched New Zealand net for about an hour and Uh, Will O'Rourke took 9 for 93 on Testabu a couple of weeks ago he was working over Kane Williamson at at high pace and getting that steepling bounce that you can get when you're 6 foot 6 so he'll be a handful tomorrow and if they go in with Kugler that's an extra option for a bowler who can swing the ball back towards the left-hander or away from the right-hander Australia have a a left-hand right-hand opening combo combo these days with uh, Smith and Kuazza opening up so I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case Um, and yeah Sartner, who has been exceptional I mean he's captaining that New Zealand T20 side at the moment but the emergence of Glenn Phillips mm. is a bit of a man for all seasons he's such a competitor, throws himself around in the field, bowls more than serviceable off spin and had a match winning turn uh, for uh, New Zealand in Dhaka only a couple of months ago so you can see why they want yep. Phillips in the mix and it could be at the expense of the senior spinner.
1: And Phillips has played a test match against Australia, uh, that yeah. incredible debut, uh, he made a half century didn't he at Sydney where he nearly missed the flight it was a, he was yeah. a last minute call up uh a lands uh in sydney i think a day or two before the test and uh, he looked Accomplished even in that uh, Test innings that he played his debut Test innings. So, but since then he's just developed uh, this new strength, right? Go back to the last time Australia and New Zealand played each other in a high-profile match. I mean, yes, they had the T20I series, but the World Cup match in Dharamsala, where it was his bowling that kept Australia back, uh, because you remember they got off to that flyer and he t- ended up with three or four wickets. So, uh, he is a multi-dimensional cricketer. Takes special catches um, uh, everywhere, all around the field. He's, his crucial catches is what eventually won New Zealand that second test against South Africa so uh, there's no way Santner plays ahead of him as talented as Mitchell Santner is and then you also have Rachin Ravindra who uh, you know dabbles in useful left arm spin alongside batting so well and so consistently at number four Uh, and you have Daryl Mitchell so they're just spoiled for options uh, bowling wise whichever way they go I mean yes it looks like Scott Kugelan plays, then they have the extra spinning option in uh, Ravindra. But if, say, Santner plays, if not here at Christchurch, then they always have Daryl Mitchell as the fourth seam option. So uh, it is a despite the injuries to Devon Conway and Kyle Jameson, it still looks like a very strong New Zealand team and I'm already a big fan of uh, Willow Rook and obviously who comes in place of uh, the now retired Neil Wagner. You yeah, couldn't who, speak about him yesterday. It could well, be. well that's
0: right, the Wagner, um, uh, the Wagner press conference was taking place while we were recording our, <laughs> right. our weekly show so we'll get a chance to, to talk about him mm. now. So Wagner finishing with 260 test wickets in I think 64 matches and just doing something that no one else in the world really Does which is bowling not express pace, although he was nippy on his day, but um, yeah, bowling around that 80 mile an hour mark or a little bit more than that, bounces all day long long spells, often in the heat, doing the hard work, in a way doing the work a spinner might do and giving New Zealand that extra flexibility. He was a crucial member of the side that won the World Test Championship in 2021 and got New Zealand as well to the top of the test rankings. His story is an interesting one, Mm. having came over from South Africa to play domestic cricket, got his chance for New Zealand for the first time in 2012, an accomplished career. And he just... Finished off that attack, Saudi and Bolt, yeah. who have always swung the ball around and always been so threatening. But Wagner was, along with Cole Jamieson, they they provided a point of difference, um, in able to in in being genuinely threatening yeah. bowlers and in reach number two on the ICC rankings as a bowler. Wagner as well, so he was in tears in his press conference oh. yesterday. He actually bowled at training after formally hanging up the boots, even though he's going to be released from the squad after this Test match and he won't be named tomorrow. But I suppose if Two bowlers yeah. stepped on Just a cricket ball. He, he could be <laughs> called upon at the last minute. A bit like when MS Donnie retired from Test cricket, Danny and he hung it on. Did he formally <laughs> there for the for the final match? But um, yeah, so uh, congratulations Neil Wagner. Mm-hmm. He's been a final word favourite oh. from the get go, uh, and that. Um, The way that he was able to kind of change Steve Smith's career trajectory as well, in some respects, what he did there in 1920, uh, just before the pandemic. Uh, I'm not saying it was only Wagner, but it was the success that he enjoyed against Smith, which without a doubt informed the plans that other bowlers have implemented Mm. to Smith, which has been, at least in part, able to suppress his scoring in the last four years.
1: And like um, all great performers, uh, especially... Uh, if you are someone who creates a niche for yourself like Neil Wagner did or Wagner did, uh, how many bowlers around the world have tried to do what he did or so successfully, uh, go short consistently, manage to keep the bouncer as high as you want uh, yep. it to be without it being really quick? and they couldn't sustain it only he could uh, and it wasn't just his bowling right the energy he would bring onto the field even when he was in, is in his uh, he was in his mid 30s i remember uh, the boxing day test in 2019 he would run from and this is the mcg we are talking about run from uh fine leg to the top of his bowling mark and when he was in bowling, Adam, he was uh, on at Fine Leg, I remember. Uh, and you know the rope is quite a fair way in from the stands. In between deliveries, he would run towards the stands, sign autographs, click uh, or get selfies, clicked, run back to the top uh, or just in uh, inside the rope, run back. And then once again, run back to the top of the mark and bowl. I mean, he's a sensational athlete. One of the fu- my funnest interviews I ever did was with him what uh, four years ago here. Uh, and also he had for someone who made uh, a living out of bowling bouncers in. Matches. Uh, he bowled a few bouncers yesterday, but when he was at his peak, he only bowled one bouncer in a net session every net session he would only bowl one bouncer that's all he needed he kept all his bouncers for <laughs> Steve Smith and the like so uh, a special career unique career uh, a unique story as well uh, and he shall be missed uh, again not just for the bowling but uh, I called him the ultimate warrior of uh, world cricket New Zealand cricket and I think that's the kind of energy he brought Dainty the ultimate warrior kind of
0: energy and that 42 degree day at Perth when he was bowling uh, I oh, think yeah. was it a 14 <laughs> over spell when he was doing push ups at the end of each yeah. over to show the crowd that nothing could nothing could uh, could take his focus away so yes again well played Daniel Wagner won't be there this week uh Australia, most of the questions around them are about their recalibrated batting lineup, Mm. the top four, Steve Smith at the top of the list. You spoke to Pat Cummins for our SEN coverage today, and he did acknowledge that they were pretty tired at the end Mm. of the summer. And this, in a way, is the end of the run of a very, very long, (sighs) protracted season with brief gaps in between. But you're going back to the last home summer, then four tests in India, then the World Test Championship for a lot of them, the IPL as well. Five Ashes Test away from home, straight back into the home summer via a one-day World Cup in India. Again, most of the test squad were part of the one-day squad there too. Um, two test matches here, having enjoyed about a month off or thereabouts, but a lot of the guys in their break have been playing either in the Big Bash or in the, in the short-form cricket in New Zealand and against the West Indies before that as well. So once they're through this bit, uh, for a lot of them, that finally constitutes the chance to take a deep breath, but um, they can't take these two test matches Not for granted mm. because the way the World Test Championship table is at the moment, and, you know, Usman Kawaja was clear yesterday, they don't study this, they don't think about yeah, it yeah, the, the way you might a football ladder around uh, a final eight <laughs> because it's quite simple. They have to just keep winning. And they didn't go five from five in the home summer as planned. They went four from five, which yeah. has enabled India to leapfrog them and New Zealand the top of the table yes. at the moment. So a good showing in the next fortnight and they'll be able to overtake New Zealand and, and get back to the top.
1: And before they face, uh, uh, India again on their shows, mm. uh, India will be trying to go 3-0 and they've obviously won the last two test series in Australia on Australian soil, so they'll want to make the most of these two test matches, not saying that playing New Zealand is any easier, especially in New Zealand against this team, but uh, they have to win uh, if they want to be in a position to uh, defend that crown, uh, right, like to use another wrestling analogy, they don't have to lose the final to lose their crown, right, like, yeah they could not qualify for that final so, uh, that is very possible at the moment, so, uh, yep, crucial games but Pat Cummins did say that he gave himself a bit of a break after that Gabba test he didn't play a lot of white ball games against the West Indies spent a lot of time on the beach uh, with his lovely wife and kid Um, and and then you know but also the T20s that he did play in New Zealand he wasn't captain so even watching it on on the television you could see him on the boundary he just seemed a little more relaxed not having to do media not Mm. having to uh, lead team meetings he spoke about how that uh, kind of gave him a a slightly extended uh, mental break as well Uh, about the Gabba he said he they just did not play good cricket there are times you lose and you feel like at least we played some good cricket they just and we were there Uh, that's what it looked like as well they just didn't uh, really hit their straps uh, at all in those extremely Hot conditions, uh, and uh, they paid for it. Uh, thanks to that performance by the West Indies and Shamar Joseph. So, um, so it's it, they've had enough time after that for them to not ruminate too much on what happened in Brisbane and start afresh even though like you said it's the same playing 11 uh, though uh, what the Steve Smith at the top and Cam Green at number 4 combination if you want to call it is just two test matches old so they True. want to build on that uh, individually and as a collective uh, uh, not just Cam Green the batter Cam Green the bowler as well I asked Pat comments about now having so many bowling options you have Marsh and Cam Green in there so it, it is a crucial series for um, quite a few of them
0: uh, even though it's just two tests? Yeah, so Manus Labashain, the last time they played against New Zealand in that series immediately before the pandemic, made a a big century at Perth and a double hundred Mm. uh, at Sydney to finish off. Indeed, that's his highest test score, 215. Um, Travis Head's made a hundred against New Zealand Uh in tough circumstances at the MCG at the end of 2019. Steve Steve Smith's made uh, three centuries against New Zealand and Usman Khawaja's first hundred away from home was here at the Basin Reserve in 2016. So good memories there, not Mm. quite so much for Mitchell Marsh's (laughs) historically. struggled against New Zealand, although that was in a very different part of his Mm. career. You'd expect whoever wins the toss will elect to bowl. That is the custom here at the Basin Reserve and that's again not to overplay the point about what the pitch might do throughout the course of five days, but all things being equal, a pitch with live grass on it on morning one should give something to the team as Australia um, enjoyed that in 2016 where Ooh. it was. Now let me think, who was bowling that That was Peter Siddle, mm-hmm. Jackson Bird and yes. Josh Hazelwood, I correct. think, were the, yeah. the trio along with Nathan Lyons. So yeah, a couple of those bowlers still here. Mitchell Stark's not played a test match mm-hmm. in New Zealand before. Pat Cummins has never played a test match in New Zealand, so um, an opportunity for them to enjoy this wonderful country. Um, in this ground as well, just to zoom out a little bit, um, New Zealand did beat Australia here back in 1990. Alan Border's side. Greg Campbell was playing for he Australia did, that yeah. week. It's uh, quite a funny scorecard mm. going back to it. Uh, and that was just after the pretty successful run they had in mm. 1989 and at home in 89, 90. They came over here and played a losing Test. New Zealand have won a series against Australia over here in '86, early '86. After they beat Australia mm. away in '85, '86. Both of those were under the captaincy of Jeremy Coney, who I'm sure we'll um, hear from at the podcast at God some weird. stage. Um, but Brett, you've been writing about the mm. Big Brother, little brother relationship between new zealand and australia know I, I, I know that a lot of new zealanders sort of resent um the the implication the in deal. all of that but i um, in a piece you've been running for the australian today that that's been the thrust of it and trying to get to the bottom of the psychology
1: oh pretty much and i've spoken to people who were have been involved uh from a mental conditioning side with both cricket and also the All Blacks, uh, you know, who have never seemed to have had that big brother, little brother uh, issue uh, whenever they played the Wallabies in the Australian rugby team. Uh, and the All Blacks, not only, uh, and the one overriding thing that I kind of figured out was that the All Blacks are still considered New zealand's team like you know they uh, their national identity has uh, been built around the all blacks whereas everybody in new zealand wants the black caps to do really well but um yes they've had their successes the wtc uh you know 2020, 2021 win but especially against australia uh, it's that little brother big brother thing does play a big role and uh, uh, that's what uh you know i've been working on that's what I- i'm writing and also you I saw a glimpse of that, Adam, during that Prime Minister's reception where you had the New Zealand Prime Minister pretty much tell Pat Cummins while he was sat next to Tim Saudi that, oh, I used to use some of your comments from the ashes in my meetings with my minister. So I asked Pat (laughs) Cummins about that in the press conference. I said, like, how does it feel to know that this country is being run on the basis of what you've been saying in your team meetings? Uh, He just laughed it off. But uh, it is quite something. The reverence about around Pat Cummins uh, from the Prime Minister of this country was quite something to see. It really did catch my eye. Um, And it kind of tells you, it kind of informs you how um, Australian teams are put on a pedestal. And one thing that really did uh, stand out from my uh, conversation with uh, uh, the, the mental conditioning coach of the All Blacks who's been with them for 23 years is mm. even the All Blacks, the almighty All Blacks, um, would often talk about the strong Australian men's cricket team uh, back in the day and say, oh, we, sh- we need to yearn to be at that level where we just dominant around the world, win everything. So uh, there is this Uh, amazing connection between New Zealand and Australia especially in a sporting sense where uh, they're always kind of uh, looking at each other in in different fashions and I think that is you can you can gauge gauge a lot of that from the fact that uh, New Zealand haven't beaten Australia more than once in the last so many years Mm. and yes they have uh, won bilateral series against Australia they've beaten Australia in league games in the World Cup but Every time it comes to a big game, they just are unable to get over the line, aren't they? And I think uh, even though we're talking about multiple generations of New Zealand teams, it tells you even more that it's almost an ingrained attitude uh, which seems to hold them back. But we'll see if this team can get over the line. Yeah, New Zealand
0: have only won eight test matches against Australia, the most recent of which... I guess 13 years ago, yeah. uh, down at Bel Reve with Doug Bracewell and all the rest of it. Okay, Brett, we're going to try and do something here. Hmm. Um, if you're listening to the podcast feed, uh, the next voices you're going to hear are going to be those of Cam Ponsonby and Petush Hantaraja. Uh, they spoke to Brendan McCullum the day after the Ranchi Test match, and uh, they are washing up all that happened there ahead of the final Test match at Durham Shala. And after you've heard from uh, that duo in India, it'll be back to you and me for a bit of preemptive Hall of Fame action.
2: It's The Final Word Daily, brought to you as ever by Westfield London, Westfield Stratford City. I'm back with Vish for the kind of England wash-up episode. We're going to talk about what we've just spoken about with Brendan McCullum. Have a look forward to Durham Shalar, which I've been told I've been pronouncing incorrectly. Uh, And the weather's much like Durham, so it's actually going to be very easy to remember and get my brain round it. Um, We've just spoken to Brendan McCullum. Kind of with... I felt like the theme kind of got taken over to... Conversations you have in March and April where you go, are these spinners going to play? Are England going to produce spinners? Because the scenario we're having uh, with those players that are out here at the moment in Shropshire, he is currently the second choice spinner at Somerset behind England teammate Jack Leach. And Tom Hartley is occasionally the first choice spinner at Lancashire when he's not being picked behind Jack Morley. And Nathan Lyon is going to come into the sit- team. Brendan McCollin's kind of going, well, it'd be a bit mental if they don't get opportunities and it would be helpful. It'd be helpful if they got a game.
3: Yeah, it's a different slant on the usual spinners piece that ends up being doled out at the end of an India series. It's like, where are the spinners? You know, you play the county championship on Mars because that was a on the pitch, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Keeps Um, low on Mars. (laughs) (laughs) But it's different now, isn't it? England have basically, you know, the players are going to return to their counties and England will be like, by the way, He's now a test spinner. Yep. He he. By the way, and not just a test spinner. He was leading wicket taker in India, and this other lad bowls has the ability to bowl unchained from one end for a whole day. So you've got that now. We're going to come back in a couple of months and pick them back up. Don't ruin them. And it's kind of um, it's 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 quite neat because I think I I think you kind of I don't know about you, but I came into this tour dreading having to write that piece. Oh but yeah. But it's a very different slant, and it comes from a place where. You know, uh, Will McPherson asked Baz this, you know, you picked these players off little first-class experience. Do they need to play? And it's kind yeah. of like, they f- it's, its is it a system? Is it workarounds workaround for the system? Whatever it is, we're in a situation where come July when England start thinking about Test cricket again, they're going to check up on them and it'll be interesting to see how much they bowl. And would it necessarily be a bad thing or kind of if they don't bowl as much? Partly because, you know, I feel like a lot of the conversation is lost in the fact that I mean we are in England and like England only does you know the, the weather it only plays ball so much that the pitches are a certain way which is where you know which is the same with wherever you are in the world as we found out here over the last month
2: I thought McCollum gave a very gentle I thought he was incredibly diplomatic and pragmatic but there was quite a clear kind of shove in the direction of like it would be nicer wouldn't it if Hartley and Lyon, if a, pick, a, wicket, a wicket was produced, that Hartley and Lyon could bowl together, if um, Sherbushu and Jack Leach could bowl together. Because what was something that was strange as well, or not strange, it shows the direction of travel of this England team, their selection mentality, is that the idea of, oh, is the county championship potentially inhibiting these two guys' kind of development? McCollum was then going, look, we look we look for skills. And we knew this, we knew this six weeks ago. It's like, we look for certain skill sets to su- suit certain situations and so in the words of him today it was like there might be some guys who do very well in the county championship and might not get selected and there might be guys who do less well who also might not or might get selected and i think that works fine and i think that works as a non-rocking the boats mentality and quite an exciting way of going about things when you're traveling outside of england it's going to be really bizarre it's gonna be quite a bizarre scenario if you are trying to climb the pecking order to international cricket if when you're playing cricket in your own country you're then not deemed to have the skill set to play your own country but we've had this already this is why zach crawley yeah yeah. he was the
3: first name that came to mind yeah
2: exactly and so yeah it'll be interesting to know how it play out um the ecb have been quite well McCullum's saying they don't really want to particularly get involved in the idea of like forcing loan moves on these counties uh stokes was a bit more clear-cut with the bbc yesterday was like we need these guys to get opportunities i mean it's it's a it's a balancing act that i can't think of an equivalent in It'd be a bit like a Gareth Southgate saying to Pep, like, please, can you play Calvin Phillips? Like- but,
3: but, but actually, specifically, it would be, please, can you play full Foden in centre midfield? Yeah. and Or, or you know, out wide, basically in, in the position that he's not, that Guardiola isn't playing him in, and Guardiola having to be subservient, which, which isn't the case in football, but there's an element of that in cricket. I think it is important to point out as well that McCullum said that you know what, I don't actually know too much about the system. But, but in, 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 in a way that like, he, that was, um, you know, posited in a way that like, so it, it would be wrong for me to talk about it with any kind of authority, essentially, in terms of the whims of it and, and yeah. like, what's involved. But fundamentally, like, it's about creating players for England. It,
2: they, I feel like they say that all the time But like every topic we talk about they go like I, I don't really know the details of that to be honest and you're like
3: oh okay um, well you know it's, it's a nice change when they used to say this phrase it's above my pay grade and you're <laughs> like sorry um, it's, it's many things it's definitely not above not, your pay up, grade I like the
2: idea that McCollum's actually going this is actually below my pay grade yeah. I'm, I, I'm not interested essentially yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah I'm sure there's a loser somewhere who deals with that
2: and we, we'll kind of have like a, a snapshot into the direction of travel England might take with their spinners next week when we go to Dharamshalar because it's going to be a bit more seam friendly conditions. Uh, there are some rumours going about that. It's going to get dark about one in the afternoon and we're not going to show well, go any I think Ravi Shastri said that, didn't he? Yeah, I know, but I didn't know if he'd said it publicly. No, so no, no.
3: He said it um, over a beer, I think. But yeah, I think that was the intimation. But, but it was one of those things where it's just like the light fades. It's not like yeah, pitch black. It's like four exactly. days a night.
2: Sun, stuff, the sunset is 6.20pm and is scheduled to finish at 430 So you should be OK. It reminded me of when we were in Multan last year pakistan series and there was like smog and we'd get in the morning on day minus one which is just the day before the match i don't know why we call it that um it's
3: quite self-explanatory but go on yeah there
2: we go <laughs> um and we looked out and you couldn't see anything you're like oh my goodness me this test match isn't going to start until eleven thirty. was remember there was talk about like picking an extra seamer yeah and rather than uh, like going short on the batting we kind
3: of got sent a video and then we got shown that video and we yeah. were like oh wow and then everyone's i'd love to go we should go back and look at it now because Yeah. Utter bollocks
2: all yeah. right I remember saying, a complete tangent, but in the last 12 months or 14 months, if you can include, include uh, Pakistan, New Zealand series, we've had uh, the Islamabad test, which was almost delayed because of food poisoning or because of the virus that went around. Yeah, yeah. We had the debate around Multan about whether that was gonna get knocked back or played in shortened thing because of smog. And then in Mount Monganui we had the threat of the earthquake that was gonna oh, yeah, cancel shit. the test. And so- But even,
3: even then, if you extend that back to the last test of the home summer, Queen died,
2: didn't you? <laughs> that did happen. I, don't, I, not, I just laughed when you said that. It's bad. Yeah, she's dead. Uh, it's fine. Yeah, a bit like... I'd like to go on a tangent there. Um, but we're going to see potentially three seamers, two spinners. One of those seamers is, potentially sounds like it's going to be Ben Stokes. The reason McCollum said he didn't bowl in this test match was because of conditions as opposed to a fitness issue. That makes life a little bit easier for England because I think the least controversial selection... Would be Anderson. Wood comes back in. Basically, Wood comes in for Robinson, and that's the only change from bowling front. You've got a third seamer yeah, yeah, in I like that. Um, Stuart Broad, Ben <laughs> Stokes. Um, I don't think I'd be surprised if they went four and one. If Stokes said I'm not going to bowl, and then, so then you're looking at a debate of Ollie Robinson or Gus Atkinson as a third seamer. I don't think that's going to happen. And more to the point, Ollie Robinson had a very bad Test match, and I think that's coming out of the weeds a little bit more now. McCollum was very, again, diplomatic with it, but it was one of those things where I felt like in the room he was t- saying, being a bit sterner than the the no, quotes the then quotes read. read. Right. The yeah. quotes actually read kind of very fair. It's like, oh, look, we, we want to put this behind us, and Oli's very disappointed, X, Y, Z. But I, I personally don't think I'd ever heard McCollum speak about a player like that, where you go, oh, we're all disappointed, basically, because the whole mantra of this team is to be so up and about. Olly Pope's pair just gets brushed away because which it should do because this these things happen. Uh but ba- bad run of form, oh we don't want to put negative thoughts in these guys' minds. And then for the first And
3: Besto weirdly, actually had pretty decent tests with the bat. He d- Apart from yeah. the dismissal. I mean we've kinda of went um, through it it's been you know, we've we've gone through it with the wash up of that test. But yeah but it's already gone.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Also like the nature of this dismissal batting is ultimately a zero sum game like if you if you get out that is you have one life and if you get out poorly and it's deemed to be wasted then it seems like a wasted yeah, opportunity yeah, yeah. so Definitely, that yeah. will hang over Bersto in in that respect um but yeah Ollie, i think actually the phrase i'd use for mccullum's way he spoke about robinson was it sound like a more like stereotypical press conference i felt like i was in a a more kind of conventional one where you're seeing just the generic quotes being rolled out which you i will aren't which I'm not used to with McCollum, because normally it's be where your feet are, look at the blue sky rather than the grey. Um, if Robinson is out of the next test in terms of a tactical selection, I cannot see a world where he'd be play ahead of Mark Wood on form. Does he then fall away? Where where does he sit in the pecking order of English seamers now? Because Chris Wokes will come out back in the summer. Surely Chris Wokes is still ahead of him
3: in yeah, that respect. And um, I suppose it depends how he's... Going with his shoulder, I think it is. But there's Josh Tung as well oh, yeah. to come back into that conversation. Yeah, it's fascinating. Um, I feel like this is just another thing. If you look at Ro- sorry, let, let's let me start that fr- from the beginning in terms of like making my point here. But like, if you look at Robinson's test career, full stop, it has been a series of stops and starts and stops for very very unconventional reasons. Yeah. S-
2: sorry, I realised we missed out a really important detail here. He twinged his back, whilst he did batting. his back while batting. And which, so that yeah. was meant to be, that was a contributing factor to why why his pace was so far down in that match and why McConnell was saying he was then pushing the front line because he was trying to eke out as much pace yeah. as possible. Um, yeah, sorry, continue.
3: But there's, uh, yeah, so there's it's been stop-start for very unconventional reasons. You know, it starts with those historic um, offensive tweets. It then goes into the ashes where he, you know, he backs away he's ridiculed for bowling uh, off spin in his sunglasses there's that one bloke who always goes on about it mad um but then uh yeah then he kind of like stokes tells him basically that he's gonna play in the first test series under him in 2022 he doesn't then stokes basically lays it on a plate for him and says look you just need to get fitter this yeah. is this is all that's stopping you from getting there gets fitter he has a great thing in pakistan he comes into the ashes with with, uh, the 2023 ashes with an injury and then doesn't quite do himself justice says a few things doesn't play for the rest of the year comes in here having looked pretty tidy in the nets and then probably in the most on-field way lets them down in some capacity yeah and obviously the back issue was a was a thing. He took a tablet during the innings, uh, which presumably that was sorry during his back innings, which presumably related to that. But you are kind of now in a situation where you're like okay, well this is this is another bump now. And the thing about the previous ones is that you'd always kind of throw forward to that press conference two days ahead of a test where he does it and you're talking about the things that he's done to come back and how he's earned back the trust and this that, and the other. This is the harder one to look for to you know to to throw forward to because you're like okay where is that when is that because we know he's good like you don't you don't get those numbers you don't average twenty two and have seventy odd wickets in however many tests he's done it in without being good and like like really it really is as simple as that and I suppose it's just about finding out where those getting back those seven miles an hour essentially
2: yeah I think the difficult thing that's facing him now is over the past two years, since he basically made his debut and was phenomenal at home conditions and then away in Pakistan, when you got back to, it's a throwing forward thing you mentioned, when you got back to the UK, it was him. Like, it was, yeah. who has anyone done enough to overtake Ollie Robinson and to take away his kind of assumed place on the side? And now, I don't think that place exists anymore because he had the disappointing start to the Ashes series, Wooden Wokes came in, as Mark Wood joked at the time, hey, it's 2 nil with me and Chris and the team, basically. Yeah, yeah. He spends all this time away. The whole narrative is that And narrative makes it sound like it's a kind of almost f- fictional, but the, the fact of the matter is he's arrived here, he's fitter, he looks better, X, Y, Z. Oh, in the nets, he's been bowling quick and he's been bowling well, and this surf is really going to suit him and it's the high release point. And then it was just kind of so overwhelmingly disappointing. I find it so rare when you watch elite sport, when you notice someone on a pitch is operating at a slightly different level to the rest. Like even if you watch Federer, like wipe the floor of someone six four six four six four. If you just didn't tell me who was the best player of all time and who wasn't, I'd be like, I, I can't really tell. They kind of look similar to my untrained eye. Jimmy Anderson never looks slow in a test match. Yeah. You you never see a ball like if someone's bowling 82, 83 miles an hour, you don't go, cool, that's slow. Ollie Robinson was releasing a couple of deliveries, and you're like, that is noticeably a different kind yeah. of level yeah. of the game. And that kind of it, it was that was proved in when he did have that good little spell against Jaiswell and nicked him off. The ball, the ball didn't reach, a wicketkeeper.
3: Yeah, yeah. It's um, you kind of wonder where Yeah, it feels like. Uh, you know, bowlers aren't ever 100% fit. Yeah. But you kind of hope that the you know whatever percentage is taken out of you is from a place where it's maybe a bit of wear and tear, but timeless. But it's not afflicting the areas that you need to bowl. Yeah. yeah? And evidently, it does with Robbo with his back. Quite an important part of bowling is your back. Yeah, and also back are really big, and he's quite tall. He's got a big back. I, th-
2: I think I'm just I'm really surprised at the fact this has even become a topic of conversation. Like we've just
3: well, it, it's it's because essentially the the outside narrative is that England were hoodwinked into picking him, when that isn't quite the case, is it? Because Stokes isn't the type of person to pick someone out of seniority or be. He talks about loyalty, but it's earned loyalty. Yeah. Yeah. And so, there, there is I think there's a notion that like oh they got it so wrong with the selection because they picked Robinson and why have they picked Robinson? Well, they picked Robinson because he has been looking good over the last month, and there was there was almost a kind of pre-planned thing of right, prime yourself for the last three tests of the series after that break because that's when we're going to need you, and it just it really just hasn't worked out. But essentially, he bowled like a man who hasn't who hasn't played a competitive game who hasn't bowled a competitive over in nine
2: months oh, on, on that last bit on it sometimes, I find it interesting because athletes kind of split on this there's a, there's a kind of quite a large body of like research which says that rather than it being a case that players are rusty when they come back in after time away they're actually better because they're in a better physical condition than they would have been kind of this So you yeah. I can, and that might, I know Robinson said in the past he wants over, so that doesn't quite apply to him. But I think what's just so disappointing is it should have been like a plug and play selection. It should have been, we have a bank on the yeah. sidelines that come yeah. in, then it was let down. That didn't happen. And I think if you're England, uh, and this is completely um, hypothetical, this is me just imagining as opposed to knowing anything. I'd be, you'd be frustrated, you'd be annoyed. You'd be like, how has this happened? Like,
3: well, I mean, plug and play is a great way of putting it because every time a player has come in, they have been plug and play. Yeah. If you consider um, Shoaib Bashir, Jimmy Anderson in the second te- second test, Mark Wood in the third, yeah. um, and then Show Bashir back in again for for this fourth test, they've all been plug and play. They've actually nailed all that. They maybe didn't get the right team balance in Vizag, when they lost that second test, but by and large, everyone they've brought in has been sound and solid. And well, better than solid, really. And the gap between what they've done and what Ollie Robinson's done
2: is, as you said before, yeah. quite stark. Alas, right, but things we do have lined up for next test, we've got c- confirmed that Jimmy Anderson will be fit. In effect, that's the kind of what I took away from that. Uh, he had a bit of a quad strain, which is why he didn't take the field for the final session of the test match. Uh, Johnny Bear is going to play his 100th match. Uh, not, they're not going to rotate and just bring in kind of Atkinson and Lawrence for the sake of it. Uh, anything else from you on the, on the old Visag wash-up? Wash Where are we? Ranchi, so long ago. We are Rocky, aren't we? I'll Lost the series. Yes, yeah. Actually, yeah, correct. Um, I think that's everything from us today. If you have any other questions, any other comments, please let us know. Uh, thank you for listening. We'll be back tomorrow. When will we be back? I don't,
3: I don't think know. I'm you tell me. Me. You're the so running this journey. I
2: know. We've got a week off now. Me and vish are going to Mumbai uh, and then to Dharma If d- you want to d- get on
3: it in Mumbai on Thursday, yes. let us know. Yeah. <laughs>
2: please do let us know in that respect. Um, as ever, brought to you by Westfield London, Westfield, Stratford City. More extra, less ordinary. Adam and Barrett I reckon I'm to have the next show for you but there's so much going into the final word feed. I'm sure there'll be lots of your ears to enjoy see you then
0: it's the final word daily with Adam Collins and Barrett Sunderace and brought to you by Seabus Super uh, who have been with us throughout the course yes, indeed. of the summer uh, and will continue to be with us uh, through the course of this series as well they've been doing their thing since 1984 amazing the year of my birth oh wow not Quite the year of your birth. Yeah, a year before. A year before you you were were born. born. born Before me, but forty years doing their thing, as we said yesterday. Eight point nine nine percent average returns in their default account. Uh, and that is um, quite the number and reflects why uh, it is such a uh, mm. such a, a meaningful thing, uh, getting your money taken care of uh, in an industry fund like CBUS. So jump on CBUSsuper.com.au Get your super sorted out. Their past performance is not a reliable indicator of future performance. You should have that all looked after before you sign your citizenship. Very case, much so.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's happening. It's happening. It's nearly there, the citizenship. Uh, Adam Isha's already uh, got her confirmation. Oh, really? Uh, but she can't take the pledge before I get my confirmation because there is a box in the form that you take if you it says you can you want to wait for someone to take the pledge with. So I kind of oh. sold out <laughs> through under the bus with that one. Nice one, yeah. So it's it's nearly there, it's just a matter of time and. I know. I want you to be there when it does happen. Uh, I hope. I hope it works out that yeah, way. That'd be yeah. absolutely
0: delightful. Um, Baz, uh, mm. you were at training when I was uh, watching the covers go on today. The <laughs> game that I didn't play. Um, have you got anything Hall of Famey for us?
1: I have two things. Firstly, yes, uh, I was uh, you know singing Pat Cummins' praises, and he is one of um, in my long career as a cricket journalist, one of the most favourite. one of my most favorite people. Uh, I've been a big fan of his. I I love Pat Cummins. But I found out something about him today which really broke my heart. And I think it'll break your heart as well. (laughs) So we were waiting for the press conference and he just walks past me and he looks at me and goes, oh, I said, no, in fact, I said, are you ready? And then he turned around and said, are you ready? And someone else said, oh, Bharat's always ready. So then as we were walking into the press conference, I said, oh, why are you trying to do your Triple H? And very nonchalantly, he turns around and says, Triple H? Who's Triple H? I said, Triple H. And he goes, man, I don't know who Triple H is. <laughs> I said, "You Triple H, the wrestler? He's like, oh, wrestling. No, I've never seen it. I said, you've never seen wrestling in your life? He said, Nah, I've never seen wrestling in my life. This is generational, Baz.
0: <laughs> so for us... Uh, growing up well certainly in Australia from mm. my perspective uh, wrestling was a, a big part of the wild world of sports offering you yeah. get little glimpses as to what was going on in the States and then when the advent of cable television yeah. by the time Pat Rock's up remember he's about nine or ten years younger is, than us yeah, that's gotta, I yeah. just don't feel like wrestling mm. profession had the same penetration through the, the middle part of 2000s and beyond and besides he was a busy boy he was you know he was I think that's what it he was is. playing test cricket when he was 18 you can't be spending your time watching no. three hours on Monday Night Raw. No, he wasn't watching Raw. <laughs> yeah. He wasn't getting the pay per views. He didn't. Yeah. Uh, he, he didn't. He didn't. Um, mm. he, he didn't watch uh, the first pay per view I got, which was uh, which was uh, DDP up against Goldberg. Oh yeah, uh, I mean, I was Halloween Havoc, been there, it? was Nineteen ninety eight when DDP uh, executed the finishing move, yeah. and somehow Goldberg got up and uh, what was it called again? The Jackhammer. The, 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 Jack the Jack Jackhammer. Yeah. yeah the spear it,
1: and the Jackhammer. The sphere,
0: Yeah. Anyway. Um,
1: yeah, but, but look, I do know one guy who's of a similar age to Pat Cummins in that Australian team who is a big wrestling nuffy or used to be anyway Manus Labashain his favorite Wrestlemania Wrestlemania 17 Rock Austin the second one um, and I did mention this uh, <laughs> uh, shock development to him and he was he was as shocked as I was uh, right. Pat Cummins has never watched wrestling but okay. uh, the second Hall of Fame does involve Manus so like I said earlier because it was raining uh, the, the nets at the Basin Reserve were covered up and so was the pitch in the, the middle uh, so they had to train in the indoor area at St. Mark School, uh, just at the the back of uh, Basin Reserve. So, uh, and uh, it's, I think it's the Wellington College, which is, uh, yep. we'll talk about the history of Wellington College over the next few weeks, I'm sure. That was the
0: team who we were meant to be playing against. Uh, oh, I think right. they originate from um, the, the Wellington Collegians for ah, club, okay. the there you go. Wanderers, anyway. Yeah,
1: so, so they had the school ground and the indoor nets, and the school was at the other end. So as I was walking in, uh there were three kids just waiting there and one of them told the other said man we have to go to class and the other kid was like do we and then they walked and walked off so then i'm watching the nets and as manas is walking off which is around the time i'm informing him about pat cummins's uh, uh Lack of knowledge about wrestling and Triple H, there's this one kid, blonde hair, who's jumping up and down. He I mean, might have been around 12 or 13. He's just going, Manus, Manus, Manus. Oh, Manus, please. I want to hug Manus. I want to hug this little little boy. <laughs> so Manus walks towards him. And even before he's reached him, the kid just jumps up and goes, Nora! Like he does a Manus. <laughs> and then Manus goes, and I think he signs something. And Manus, a hug, a hug, a hug. And he hugs him. And at this point, like it's almost like watching a TV show. I think I don't know whether it was a headmaster or a teacher uh, who stood like near the entrance of the ground and he's I don't remember what the kid's name was. He's like, mate, you need to be in class. You need to be in class while he's hugging Manus Labushane. And Manus turns around and said, Oh, did he get that on video? And Daniel Cherney and I were there, we didn't. And he said, You missed your chance. It would have been made for quite the video. But just the fact that this kid kind of jumped out of or like ran away from his class to meet Manus, give him a hug or get a hug from him while his headmaster's yelling at him. I think that uh, he's the fan of the year for me. Love it. Uh, yeah. I don't know how Manus will feel in 10 years time being named for no run. Yeah, no, no. He, you know a, what? I mean, I, I interviewed him a uh, day before yesterday and mm-hmm. I put it out on Craig Buzz. Uh, no runs back. Uh, you think with Manus, no has always been there, but he'd put it away in the nets. He was just batting and batting and focusing on his technique for the last couple of years. The first thing I noticed day before yesterday, on Monday, was he uh, defended a ball in he went no run. Uh, and in my head, uh, knowing Manus the way I do, I said... He's back. He needed that. He, and that's what he speaks about in the interview as well. It's more energy, less time. He, his sessions have suddenly reduced to just 30, 35 minutes, which right. yeah, gives me a lot of extra time as well. <laughs> but um, I think watch out for Manas. I'm putting sticking my head out, as I've done in the past as well. And I think uh, Banas is back.
0: Noted. Thank you, Baz. Always Thank lovely you. to do this with you. We've got, uh, speaking of back, Jeff Lemon uh, will be back with Indeed. me tomorrow at the basin. He's um, doing the overnight flight, I think, from memory. So we're going to see him. a bunk him bed. For, he's on the bunk bed above <laughs> me in the, uh, what are we calling this again? The, 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 the working men's
1: hospital. hospital. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I
0: liked it better when I was calling it a commune. Either yeah, way, it is it's like interesting, yeah. Airbnb. Um, our daily shows will be brought to you every single day uh-huh. by C Bus Super. Um, dancing to electro pop like, like a robot since 1984, not quite making superannuation since 1984 um, thank you for listening, thank you to Vish and, for, and to Cam for uh, allowing me to splice that in, you'll hear from them in a couple of days at Durham, Charlotte, I think that's it uh, we will mm. talk to you at Stumps tomorrow, bye bye <laughs>